work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem. And here I am, Emily, with my husband, Jim, and I get to post-mortem his brain. There we go. Every week. <laughs> for a while. Every week. There's nothing left in there's there. There's nothing less left for the, the post-mortem. I'm, I'm excavating now and seeing nothing. Right. <laughs> yep. I've been emptied At out. Blank slate, ready for the week ahead. I zero out at the end of every sermon. <laughs> That's why we have to wait till Tuesday to record because... Uh, Monday, you're like totally flatlined, and then the next day, it's revived enough that we can kind of try to pick apart That's what, right. what went on. And we are recording first thing Tuesday morning, so this is the equivalent of clear. <laughs> what, what is that sound effect? <laughs> is that from Top Gun? <laughs> uh, I saw Top Gun last night. Uh-huh. It was spectacular. Was it, though? Yes. I, That's what everybody's saying. I don't understand action movies. <laughs> <laughs> it helped even less when you told me that Josiah said it had no plot. <laughs> no, it, you know, okay, save, spoiler the, free, save the spoiler world, free. save the cheerleader, save the world. That's what the plot was. I liked that plot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, yeah, call it Stormy Monday. Let's jump in. What is what's been going on with you? No, could, what? Could, could you take the microphone and square it up? It's crooked. <laughs> There we go. Are you going to like, are you going to change that? No, that's saying it. People are going to evaluate the quality of my voice. So much from, better now. From when I it? twisted the microphone. That's right. <laughs> Quarter turn. The EIB microphone. You're the one who put the microphone in front of me. So just to clarify. <laughs> okay. I'm just here to, I just show up. That's true. You're a plug and play. You're a pro. Um, call it Stormy I'm Monday. I'm the producer. <laughs> Who's so good at the tech? That's it was right. smoothless this morning. Unbelievable. Um, call it Stormy Monday. Hey, Here we you're, go. You're the one who's like <laughs> getting us off track these days mm. today. We, what, what we must be getting toward, means we're getting towards the end of our season. Oh, <laughs> summer's a coming. That's right. Um, and that's, yeah, that's part of the framework, I guess, that summer's coming. People are starting to head to the shore. Mm-hmm. People are starting to think about summer plans. That's and right. You are sitting there rocking, thinking... <laughs> Gotta get through the summer. Gotta get, gotta get through. <laughs> summer never sleeps for yeah. ministry programming. I mean, some parts of it do. There we go. So, why? Well, what has been going on this this as you started to work on this sermon? What has been going on in your life as you've been um, thinking about preparing this particular sermon? Right. So it was fun not to have a genealogy for a change at Liberty Kongs, but I hope listeners, you you enjoyed a non-genealogy sermon. We'll be back to genealogy one more time this coming Sunday, so Ooh. fear not. And I was excited. We didn't plan on it this way, but this was Pentecost Sunday in the liturgical calendar of the church when the church commemorates the descent of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. So Jesus crucified, resurrected, and ascended at the end of the Gospels, but then at the beginning of the book of Acts, the there's this very small interim period where 
the the spirit has not yet been given in fullness to the church and the disciples are wondering what's what's going to happen we've been given this commission to go tell the world about jesus but we feel pretty isolated and alone Mm. but then the spirit descends as fire and comes and rests on all these different people waiting around in acts chapter two and everybody's understanding in their native languages, the language of everybody else. And that's the that's the jump start to the church. And so there is a very strong connection between Acts chapter eleven, the Tower of Babel, and Pentecost. We'll get into that more. But it was a total coincidence yeah. three three levels, three layers of coincidence. One that uh, Pentecost related, pretty directly related sermon text mm-hmm. came up on Pentecost. I'd love to say that I planned it that way. Uh, I did not. Yeah, you, you heard it here. And You're then... not going to get that from the pulpit. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. You could have uh, no, mentioned it. I, I, I actually have been coached away from oh, being too uh, from belittling just... my my own content uh-huh. by, by saying things are... Totally think, random. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to, in the early days of Liberty Collingswood, when I didn't know anything about something, I would say preface what appeared to be great learning with according to wikipedia but then uh, <laughs> i was told hey like stop referencing wh- yo, yo, wh- what's the purpose of doing that uh-huh. you're you're making your, yeah self-undermine which, which is a strength of mine so that that's one coincidence uh under the providence of god of course that <clears throat> tower of babel pentecost on pentecost sunday and in addition to that it was going to be international missions sunday the uh-huh. first time international partnerships team led by Derek Dalrymple, who was going to be on the Sunday, and then when I looked to see... Did they ask for the Sunday? The... I wonder if they, like, knew. You know, I was thinking about that. Because <laughs> I... my parents' church also did something missions really. I, I just, maybe like, maybe is. they know, and you didn't, so... <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, so, so part of the coincidence was not it was actually prayerful, thoughtful <laughs> consideration. Yeah, it could have been other people. That's that's great. You know, it <laughs> takes a village, and yeah, I was actually thinking last week. And please forgive me, Derek or International Partnerships team. Maybe it was they. Maybe it was Eric Mitchell. Maybe it was me. I forget whose idea it was and how we got to the point of putting our first international partnerships focused. Sunday on Pentecost. Maybe there was great intentionality behind it. Let's say this that there. Does not surprise let's me. say that there was, but it all worked out that on this sp- specific Sunday there is a text that ties very closely with international missions. So it always makes me feel better when you forget things because I think I always forget things, and you only rarely forget things. But there is like this specific thread of things that you forget. You tend to forget and then there's a thread of things that you tend not to forget. And it's, it's I, puzzling through that has been one of the lifelong mysteries that That's I've true. faced with you. Yeah, if, if I was paid to be deeply self-reflective, I think <laughs> there would be a way to categorize my memory works in these directions, but these are the specific categories of things that I have very little recollection of. Probably <laughs> the two people to excavate that would be you and Eric, because uh-huh. Eric also would have an intuitive idea about all the things that I forget. So spouse, spouse, and work spouse. I don't think I can because I I think I just am always surprised. Like, wait, why don't you remember that? No, there's a method to the forgetfulness. I know. Yeah, I almost don't want to say what I think, so I won't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's also... I mean, I'll set Clara on it. Clara Clara can get on That's also a possibility. So this Sunday, I wanted both to honor the text, honor the story, preach hopefully a good sermon Mm -hmm. that 
is glorifying to God and helpful to people, but then also tied in with international missions. And our international partnerships team has been around for a couple of years now, and I really wanted to honor the work of the team, give them more visibility, Mm -hmm. celebrate their work, and wanted to do right by them. So that's that's what I was burdened by. Right. I think that's important. And I think certainly we have more of a global consciousness as a society. Yeah. Right? Um, but sometimes I don't I, with that global consciousness should be a, a call to mission. And um, so it's it was like really cool. Um, the the reading of the passage. Is yeah. That, is that does that fit in? Call it Stormy Monday. Yeah, let's do it here. <laughs> tell, tell me more. How did so, you yeah, explain so what happened? Bringing, in a, bringing people you... from our congregation um, up who were able to speak in um, often their native language, maybe not all of them their native language, but mm-hmm. in a language they were fluent in yeah. speaking and reading parts of this passage for us. I think it had a really great effect. I, I mean, I don't think you are particularly known for your uh, preaching or Sunday morning gimmicks. So I, I don't, I, it didn't smell of gimmick to me. It actually, it felt authentic yeah. where these people were genuine, are genuine. You didn't hire people to come up who like weren't actually part of our church. Yeah. On, <laughs> on the big screen behind where the scripture reading uh-huh. was being done, we flashed, not an actor, not yeah, an actor. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't Josiah actor. speaking German. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, or you speaking Latin. Yeah. Um, and so it, I, I think that the effect of having um, people of different nations speaking of different tongues yeah. had, uh, and I think it juxtaposed, bec- what, it was like a flash forward to like where you, you were going to end the sermon, but yeah. before, it's a context for Babel, where if Babel is known as like a, a time when um, nations were scattered and there was deep divide, mm-hmm. then um, you're bringing people together to speak scripture, like was not in the negative sense of like, oh, we don't understand that. Yeah, it was like, like what's a going reclamation. A yeah, building. so so I felt like it worked at a lo- lot of levels. That's me. Yeah, I thought it was really good. And I, I was excited that that was happening. So just to be clear for people that didn't, see the scripture reading on on Sunday. I read the passage in English, as I usually do, only after we had a scripture reading, I think five different languages that are represented in our congregation. We're not a super diverse mm-hmm. congregation. I'd love us to become more diverse. And I think we're growing in that regard. So we actually have more languages represented than I think it was the five on the stage where just a couple of verses each from Twi, a uh, West African language, to... Spanish to modern Greek to German to Korean and it was it at least for me it was more powerful than even I thought it was going to be so mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a really good a really good moment and I was talking with a couple of people afterwards I, I don't recall another time at Liberty Collingswood when the scriptures were read or really that if there was any language from the front of the church <coughs> that was not English maybe a little bit of Spanish here and there uh, over the years, although I don't remember a distinct episode of it. So yeah, a significant step for our church in that regard as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good stuff. And so that is the context shaping the sermon, correct? Yes. So tell us more about this p- particular Bible passage. You've specifically saved it for this Sunday. 
So what was going on? Or meaning that I, you... I, I thought we said we didn't. I didn't intentionally say. No, for the I Sunday. thought you said that Babel was connected to Missions Week when you were last week when you were talking about why you were doing a genealogy instead of moving forward. Or maybe that's maybe that's hidden knowledge. No, no, no. Or no. I don't think that was. You may be misremembering. I, I talked about how Genesis ten to eleven itself is dischronologized. Right. Never mind. I okay. think we're talking. I I was talking about a conversation that was not on the podcast, so it was. Oh. It was um, okay, I like it. What what is the word it's for, for that? Patreon subscribers? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. So. <laughs> so tell us about this passage and um, how you how you thought about it as it related to being the missions week and all that. Right. So step one, actually taking Tower of Babel. I think this is a fairly if if. Most people, culturally speaking, here in the West wouldn't be able to say, oh, Tower of Babel comes from Genesis chapter 11. Mm-hmm. I think there is still enough of a residual cultural memory where... I mean, the it, word Babel right. exists. People yeah. know it. Yep. Yeah. And there was a the Atlantic article that we were talking about last week from Jonathan Haidt was actually called After Babel, mm-hmm. re- referencing, our, referencing the, this story, but in relation to current confusion culturally speaking. So yeah, people have some general recollection of the Tower of Babel. It's always fun for me to go back to a Bible passage where there's some vague recollection of it for a lot of people, but then look at it more specifically. Mm -hmm. And the step one of this sermon was trying to problematize, which is a pretty common sermonic tactic where you problematize and make less straightforward than one might realize the sermon text. And in this case, it was trying to say, from a certain perspective, Babel might not be all bad. That was an early objective. So human beings are doing things that, from a certain perspective, are good. We're making things, we're developing technology, we're developing advancements in various ways, we're trying to make a name for ourselves, which has a negative aspect, but then also a healthy aspect. We want our kids, for example, to make names for themselves, and they want to connect with God. So if this is a ziggurat... I I did talk with one person after the service. I... I apologize. I I did a preemptive apology to him based on something else that I said for reasons specific to him, which I do sometimes. <laughs> I said, "Hey, since since we're talking, I just wanted to let you know that I didn't mean this in this uh-huh. way, in case you'd made that connection." Uh-huh. And he said, "Oh, I didn't even hear that because I was googling ziggurat." So <laughs> he, he was on the Mister Googly thinking about what is a ziggurat. So Tower of Babel is not like a cylindrical white castle, leaning tower of Pisa sort of thing, uh-huh. but a square pyramid or temple leading up. W- stairways leading up. And so connecting with God, good thing or bad thing from one perspective. Yeah, it's definitely good. We want to connect with God. That's one of the things that we want to do here at Liberty Collingswood. So highlighting those good things. And I guess we'll talk in muddying the waters a little bit more, connecting that <coughs> with good aspects of our own humanity but then coming back around and say, yeah, but overall, Tower of Babel is cast in a negative light. So connecting that aspect, I think I said at one point in the sermon, this is the origin story for our collective hubris. Right. Uh, although I would say that like Adam and Eve were. <laughs> sure. <laughs> hubris is like the center sin of like every everything noah all those things before but sure hubris nemesis well the the distinction i would make is those were individual examples of, uh-huh, of hubris this but is when this you is think collective. that noah versus like the whole entirety of the worlds that's like 
hubris. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's tough preaching every week, baby. <laughs> I, gotta, I just don't I just think it's the keep origin of hubris. Got to keep pumping out the content. content Maybe you could say the machine. like. The like. Put in a dollar, you get content. A can okay. of content every week. I agree it was hubris, but I also <laughs> think that like there's probably equal amounts of hubris and like wanting to send people to the moon or moon moon i don't mean the moon like the his like american moon i'm more, more meant elon musk's moon but <laughs> you were criticizing my dad's podcast no, with sorry. five golden things i was thinking of musk like, where is this going and twitter <laughs> friendly and, fire and have he like is firing or he's threat he's asking to fire tesla employees and i just think it's funny yeah i no <laughs> comment it's easy to let, okay for well let's pick on hubris in you (laughs) (laughs) same sign no comment okay so Uh, whether or not this is strictly speaking an origin story just talking about how hubris babel goes sees human beings going too far and one of the one of the themes that may be less on the surface whether babel or genesis 3 to 11 i mentioned that one way to think about the fall of humanity is not just Adam and Eve eating of the fruit in Genesis chapter 3, but there's whole sequence of events, which is a downward sequence from 3 to 11. It's the long fall off the cliff culminating in the, the Tower of Babel, the origin of the nations, and repeatedly starting with eating of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil in Genesis 3, boundaries are crossed. Mm-hmm. And over and over again, Genesis 6 sons of God marrying the daughters of men, whatever happened between Ham and Noah, Mm -hmm. and then here reaching up in ways that are not appropriate to our limitations of as human beings. And then God, God judges kind of like the Southside Johnny and the Asbury Duke song. I know he had to try to reach (laughs) up and touch the sky, Uh baby, whatever happened to you and I, I don't remember that song. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you were you were literally asleep for it. The actually that was the song where you woke up, but that's a, another <laughs> story for another time. And so punchline is Babel. Therefore, its name was called Babel, and Babel is one of those multivalent words. When in the context of ancient Near Eastern language groups, that can mean on one hand, gate of the gods. So that's the positive. That's a wow. This is awesome. We we have built a gate of the gods, but also by way of human hubris. Babel just means confusion. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't mention in the sermon, but, but there's a relationship as well. I, I, I did say that Shinar, this area, is in Babylon, Babylon uh, what would become Babylon. Also, Babel, Tower of Babel, is related to Babylon to come mm-hmm. as well. So, so, so there's all those, all those through lines. And then... The other part was, speaking of through lines, wanted to connect forward Tower of Babel is immediately addressed or redressed in Genesis chapter 12, Call of Abram, where instead of our making our name great, God will make Abram's name great. And in Abram, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed, which carries forward again, Mm -hmm. lots of twists and turns in the Old Testament, but... Bible scholars, Christian Bible scholars, generally see the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 as as a direct connection, fulfillment, 
sort of photo negative of what's going on in Babel. So what was fractured in Babel is beginning to be put back together in in Pentecost. So if the nations are scattered into divided different languages, there is one people under the lordship of Jesus speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit in a mysterious way, Mm -hmm. a unified language. So one people, a new humanity again, and that's what we see at the very end of time in Revelation chapter chapter 5. So that kind of through line, one theological tidbit, and you'll remember that there's systematic theology and biblical theology. Systematic theology takes the Bible and chops it up sort of into summary categories of different things. So systematic theology, what does the Bible teach about God or mm-hmm. humanity or any number of subjects? But then biblical theology is a discipline takes the longitudinal tracing storylines and arcs through the scriptures. So I was doing some biblical theology there this morning, which is the connection point, finally, to international missions, mm-hmm. where yeah. as, we're, as we see the vision of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation united under Christ, worshiping the Lamb who was slain, this is also our call. So yeah. I wanted people to see how deeply woven <coughs> into the core ground motives and storylines of scripture is this call to international missions yeah it's there it's there that's that's the that's kind of like the whole like when you were saying the connection of all the pieces coming together for this sunday and this sermon and pentecost sunday it's actually like that that all those pieces don't feel like you're pulling or grasping to create a, a a picture it actually it really feels um like a a connective thread that I've seen it match in reality, like yeah. as I've seen like um, missionaries and the work that they've done in different nations. And I've seen different, like you were talking about, different nations expressing their faith and expressing worship differently. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that, all of that makes sense. Yeah. And hopefully it all came together organically this <coughs> past Sunday, too. Mm-hmm. So, so we didn't just like rent a camel and... That would have, have been like cool. a petting zoo afterwards for. To Although it's alpacas that are cooler right now. That is true. The <laughs> the the hipster animal of choice, the alpaca. Why is that? <laughs> a, okay, moving on to question, muddying the actually. waters. What was fun about this sermon? So yeah, I mean you're coming to the end of Genesis or the summer series too, but did you feel like this? I don't know. Where do you feel like it? I'm listening to a lot of Survivor podcasts. Where does it rank in the oh. Genesis? Yeah, I was I was thinking Top Gun. So <laughs> I'm Maverick, and the Genesis sermon series for this ministry year is coming in for a landing, and this is the buzzing the tower, so circling around before the, the landing the, into the, another genealogy. The final descent. <laughs> Next week is is the potential crash landing <laughs> through another through another genealogy that actually relates to the end. Uh, oh, I'm oh not, okay. <laughs> Woo, that was close. So, yeah, I really enjoyed thinking about international missions and kind of the the two big contexts to address. And hopefully it felt connected enough and didn't feel like two different sermons mashed up against each other. The, the first part was questioning the idea of human progress, especially as it seeks to become more unlimited so the more limitless our expression of progress and power and that is why i really was thinking about elon musk in the during your sermon like huh. that was the and i don't mean 
I mean, I use Twitter, so like, sure. I, I like the concept of, of electric cars. Like, I think that's why it jumps into frame because like technology is good. It'd be great for us to all be having self-driving cars. I, I look forward to the day when like I'm blind because I'm on my screen so much. And so when I'm like 80, I could be just driven by a self-driving car somewhere. Like yeah. I'm excited about technology where it, where it can take us. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the headlines to me, and I don't want to pick on Elon Musk too much, but here we are. That's where my sets where my brain was when we were when you were talking about yeah. that. Like that technology can take us to these um, these places that are both like helpful advancements yeah. and also really uh, really ultimately hubris. Yeah, scary. <laughs> yeah, I think there's. It's not a coincidence that for most of our future-oriented fiction and science fiction, we encounter dystopian and not utopian futures, right? Because there is this deep suspicion about, hey, is technology and human advancement really going to be a good thing for us, or is it going to create more problems than it solves? And it's very much true that I believe in future generations of Christian ministry, one of the growth edges to develop terms of Christian discipleship is what to do with technology, not just, hey, how much time should you spend on your phones every day, but more generally as we move towards a technologized self. So a whole panoply of questions related to medical innovation and technology, what can and should we do to our bodies, what in terms of genetic planning and modification, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting questions there. I, I do foresee some sort of future where Christians more than average will opt out with some of those technologies, but we'll see where it goes. All that is to say, advancement of technology is one of those huge areas where we see human hubris at work, where it's good on one hand, but then just because we can, we also need to marry to that question but should we? Just mm -hmm. because we can doesn't mean that, that we should. And so it was this idea of unlimited progress that comes with an underbelly of burning. So we're building, but then we're also burning. And I wanted us to feel the weight of that. And this is one of those sermons that in some ways didn't have a whole lot of like personal application or takeaways, but hopefully we feel the weight of what's going on in our world enough that it feels still compelling to talk about how Hey, there's a lot of futility to human progress, not just individually. Let's recognize how we both build and burn ourselves. What are some personal examples of how we've done that? But then also collectively feel the weight of those examples as the story of Babel does come to frame and explain and give a vocabulary in a lot of helpful ways to the mess that we're seeing around the world as, mm -hmm. as we build in unheeded ways. And all of that relates to the cross simply to say that in Jesus we see a different kind of power and mm -hmm. a different kind of pro progress, a different kind of, of kingdom. And just explaining, hey, we really need this kind of grace, this kind of, of power, or else we're just going to beat each other up, mm -hmm. whether individually or on larger levels. Right. And I... I'm like still, I'm going back five minutes to when you were talking about how sci-fi is full of dystopia. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing that in the like, in the connective sense um, that there is like, even in humanity, just in general, if we're thinking about context, like we, we just 
as a society all feel that like that's again it's just like a truth that exists it's not something that you are trying to piece together or that like the bible isn't really speaking to these things but you're trying to draw out like modern context from Mm -hmm. something that is clearly not there like at like clearly in the tower of babel is this like human technology versus hubris um Mm -hmm. concept and like here it is like as humans we think about the future as humans as we look today like it just it seems like a message that is truly um here in the text as well as um here in our context so absolutely and i've been struck as the sermon series does come to a conclusion next week and this is one of the main ideas as to why i went in the direction of the genesis sermon series in the first place but i've been struck how god has met me and hopefully our congregation in really opening my eyes to how broad the set of implications from these first few chapters of Genesis actually are to contemporary culture, society, and it's sort of all here. So if we went into this sermon series saying, hey, these early chapters of Genesis really do tell the true story of our world as we wrap up these early chapters now, I feel like that's proven to be true Mm -hmm. as this is part of the whole counsel of God that speaks to so many different things. For sure. And the other takeaway is that if you're writing a sci-fi book, you should probably write one where everything looks hopeless and dystopian, but actually it moves towards utopia. <laughs> and then that pay, would never yeah, sell. You could pay me a commission for that um, <laughs> idea. That's, I, I, no, I it's think, my book. I, I think I, it's I could there. start it on my mini sabbatical. Uh, people would the it would be it would be um, tagged as unrelatable and. <laughs> Pie in the sky, yeah. fake, doesn't really address the issues. <laughs> right. Comes from a place of deep privilege if you want to <laughs> yeah. write, write a book like that. So then the other the, the other big big context, and also it was fun, was just talking about Christian mission. And mm-hmm. yeah. thinking, of, I said towards, towards the end of the sermon, Christian mission is really important as the means of fulfilling the whole motion of the scriptures towards the new heavens and the new, and the new earth, mm-hmm. all these nations worshiping Jesus together. So there was that general call. And then I also did want to give a little bit of an apologetic for why Christian mission is actually good, because right. I think culturally speaking right now, yeah, in the secular still... world, in different ways, both from the hardcore secular left and hardcore secular right, maybe there could be some 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 suspicions. So if the secular left would say, hey, this is just cultural importing of one set of values onto another, how on earth could you do that? It's bad for any cultural value to be transferred upon another. And then maybe on the right, if there is some cultural show, hardcore right, extreme right cultural chauvinism like why why are we spending time with other cultures and other or why are we allowing their and, their culture to nations. like worship this way or yeah right um, so to preach this way yep. or gather this way yeah yep so, so there can be some chauvinism for sure in missions but i think it's the sweet spot middle it's really beautiful because christian mission does have this really i think innovative and in part because it's true, flexibility as the gospel goes from culture to culture mm-hmm. in ways that are actually pretty unique. The, the church is, I think, the most cult- multicultural 
the first and to this day most multicultural organism organization or institution in the world right. and whether it's other religions that have trouble making that transfer so mm-hmm. it's the either or of with other religions typically and i'm sure you know helen will feel free to write in if you think i'm oversimplifying things to be to hook into this religion you have to become very culturally like the mm-hmm. culture of origin for that religion or you don't bother doing that but then according to those that are within the culture of origin of that religious expression it's just a bastardized form of the religion that's actually actually a different one right I, I did want to say too and i forgot to mention this in the sermon not only religious expressions but you see the same thing with consumerism so mm. one of the primary I don't know if it's primary, but but one of the things that people in the two-thirds world, and this includes people that don't like America very much at all, <coughs> one of the things they'll say, and this is a talking point. Do you of, want to define two-thirds world for people? Sure. First world, uh, the democratic West, Europe, and, and the U.S., and then two-thirds world, uh, typically, uh, and this is a designation that came from the late 20th century, so it's... Uh, dated i'm sure two-thirds world communist states and and then also less developed uh, states as well the second and third world respectively so whether it's putin or some of the rhetoric from extremist islam in the middle east they'll talk about how american consumerism is pulverizing their culture Mm -hmm. and through technology, through internet, through hyper-globalization and connectivity, through Coca-Cola, McDonald's, etc., where our, our young people are being submarined by American cultural values as they become consumers just like everybody else. So, so consumerism, like, which, which has no religious affiliation or ideology, is similar in that it, too is a flattener. So you see Mm -hmm. flattening on the secular left, flattening on the secular right, flattening consumerism, flattening and a lot of other religious expressions. But then on the other hand, Christian international Christianity has this unique and beautiful flexibility to it that I think should cause uh, secular people to stand up and take a little bit of notice. Hey, Mm -hmm. maybe there is something unique and good about all this stuff. With the caveat that, they're like, and I, I definitely agree globally or like a large big picture wise, but with the caveat that there are micro situations in which Christians have tried to impose culture on the people yeah. that they've, that they've been. Um, yeah. I, I hope I gave some space for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned that during the sermon. So yeah, there are plenty I of negative wanna, examples. Yeah. Pull which... out, pull in that there are like, just because there are ex- negative examples doesn't mean that holistically that it's been true that the Christian church has, has, uh, had, or the gospel has morphed into all these, um, cultures in yeah. a way that, um, other things have not. Yep. Um, and real quick with that, um, my, so, so, so we own those, ne- we need to own, <clears throat> repent of those negative examples. But to me, what keeps me Christian is, Hey, how do we get better with some of those things? And, in my mind, we get better by becoming more biblical, not less biblical, mm-hmm. more Christian, not less Christian. Right, so, exactly. So yeah. the internal resources are there if we continue uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we read the scriptures to return to the core of our story to become better versions of ourselves. Right.
And I would also argue that there are some in like the Muslim community who would say the same thing that they are trying to uh, to to take away the cultural expectations of the the negative aspects of Muslim and yes. and uh, incorporate like a peaceful. But like you're saying, yeah. like the Buddhists criticized by like the the Thai Buddhists. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, it's more complicated. Yeah. It's yeah. complicated, but I I guess in effect like all those religions have existed but christianity is the only one that like the gospel has broken broken our human impulses towards trying to to uh like morph that hubris and and culture yeah i would say it's the we're the by the grace by god's grace not because there's anything good in us because the bible says we're all sinners including christians I, th- I think the church is the best, ex- despite all of its mm-hmm. flaws, yeah. the global church is the best expression of that. Right. So I ultimately agree. I would just I just want to like say that it's nuanced so that if anyone was thinking about it, they would they would like see the big picture point. Yeah. Um, so moving on. Right. One last thing. No. So, one last thing. Uh, again, considering how how we think about international missions as Christians, as that relates to world news and that sort of thing, came home to me a couple of months ago when it happened that Russia invaded Ukraine pretty much the same time, and that was global geopolitical headlines, but right around the same time when we heard from Ishmael Ntoko in Malawi, missionaries that we love and support there, in their town of Salima, there was a severe flood that wreaked havoc on the infrastructure of, of the town. And so there is a call, a very a great call and invitation from Ishmael Toko that we give money uh, towards them for emergency flood relief, which, again, by God's grace, we ended up, I think, raising, they said they, they need $2,000 ASAP. I, I think we raised closer to three with people just being pretty instantly generous. But as I engaged with the international partnerships team, the conversation with them was, hey, there's a lot of people that care a lot about Ukraine. How should we as Christians and specifically Liberty Collingswood modulate thinking about and giving bandwidth and space in our own minds and hearts, Ukraine and Salima? And I think looking back on it, I should have, we should have, we began, because I think it was literally the same week, giving equal weight to Ukraine. Hey, how, how can we give some relief here? How can we pray for Ukraine? And then also Salima. But as I think about it, the majority of the world was thinking about how to pray for, how to help, how to give money to relief and supplies to Ukraine, there is a much, much, much smaller faction, a fraction of people in the world that were caring about Salima, Malawi, and the floods there. And so it's a both and. We we read the same global news as everybody else and, and should care. But then also, as we think about our specific connection to the church around the world, some of these other things that don't make international headlines in the same way because they're very specifically our brothers and sisters in areas that are being very hard hit but less headline grabbing. We need to be aware of those 
crises and challenges too. So there is a different layer that Christians need to add to how they think about the world, specifically through the lens of international mission. Sure. That's, yep, that's challenging. That's what I got. Good stuff. Okay, bar band cover tunes. Uh, references. What did you do today, this week? Um, you started with crowd participation. I love crowd participation. <laughs> Your question, I was like expecting something like, uh, I don't know, less trivia-based and more like, I, I, I thought you were going to solicit because you were crowd participating for the first time, but it was a it was a presidential trivia? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think I did a crowd participation, a crowdsourcing. You have recently. Uh, recently. But yeah, a quote from Herbert Hoover, six months after the great stock market crash of... It was a great 1929, quote. <laughs> saying, hey, everything's going to be great, don't worry, with our effort, with our resources, with our intelligence, with our research, invention, and advancement we are going to conquer poverty. We have nothing oh to worry gosh. about. <laughs> we should, so. n- d- don't be a politician. <laughs> Just don't. Right. You're setting yourself up for these things. Yeah. There's so, nothing else you could do. So old old Herbie got, got that one wrong. Yeah, it, it, it was fun. And I use that for the purposes of this sermon, saying that this is a pretty bald example of human hubris, among other things, saying, hey, we're awesome, and we're going to lick this pot. You know, should we alleviate poverty or poverty of course we should but do we really think that we're going to be able to lick it just as mm-hmm. we put our minds to it that's yeah. the the hubris of power and then we're talking a lot about the hubris of technology there's also hubris of politics mm-hmm. as as well uh if we think our government is unlimited in its potential yeah so so hoover was one of those structuring quotes that launched us into this idea of Babel. I, I forget where I found this quote from. I've had it in my quote file for a long time. Uh, Why don't you have I sources honestly, on your quote files? I mean, I can go back and check, <laughs> but I just haven't. So I, if, if anybody, Helen Wolves, if you want the source of that quote, I can go source it Jim for needs you. needs research assistant. And then what a joy to juxtapose Herbert Hoover with Bruce Springsteen, the singer-songwriter from New Jersey, Leah from Devils and Dust 2005 with this hand I've built and with this I've burned as a more accurate expression of both human potential and or human potential for good and then also human potential for ill. It it fit. <laughs> yeah, so so Helen Wolves, you've heard me say before in podcasts that I try not and I've quoted a couple songs recently i try not to overquote from songs if it's for trying to especially if it's trying to like grab somebody's emotional weight uh, because in my opinion how we experience songs are so individual that just because i as a preacher have been affected by the song in this way i'm not necessarily sure that everybody else will be why does that not apply to f- sports <laughs> <laughs> That is, that is a good point, and which is why I don't use a ton of sports analogies yeah, for that very true, same true, reason. True, true, true. Right. So less for an emotional hook, but more as a pithy encapsulation of humans are awesome, but we're also fatally flawed mm-hmm. with this hand I've built, and with this I have burned. And as far as I know, besides between those things, I did choose to read at length the quote from the passage from Acts chapter two mm-hmm. about Pentecost. Yep. That, and I think I mentioned during the sermon, didn't I? Hey, I, I, I know the sermon's almost over and listening, yep. listening yeah. juice has, has lowered, but stay with me. Hopefully, 
it made sense to read that whole passage. Yeah, for sure. Specifically, all all the different people groups and nations being being mentioned: Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, etc. Because we've been talking about all these different nations being scattered, and hopefully, a long form reading of that quote did connect in people's minds Pentecost as a response to Babel. So I. Maybe, maybe it was too long for people, but there was at least intentionality behind it at, at that point. And then also going back to the sermon I preached in East, Easter, and they sang a new song, Worthy are you, for you were slain by your blood. Jesus, you've ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So, yeah, besides those couple of biblical quotes, Hoover and the boss, I think that, do you have anything else that I... I mentioned Stairway to Heaven. Stairway to Heaven. Oh yeah. Do you, uh, who 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 did that song? I'm trying to remember. Uh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guitar One Slim Pickens. <laughs> was not Guitar Slim that did Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> so I <clears throat> I think we're doing okay with 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 Eric Mitchell being gone. Miss him. And he did a really great job of setting things up for his absence mm-hmm. when he's on sabbatical. But I did chuckle when I walked into Holy Trinity Sanctuary on on Sunday morning. They 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 do a really big Pentecost celebration too. Their uh-huh. their and their bishop was there, which is a really big deal. Yeah. In Episcopalianism, there did did you arrive early enough to no, see all I was of the all of the on time? So 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 I think there were. It felt like forty red balloons decorating the sanctuary, uh, nice. which fire right. So it, it it was red balloons as symbolizing the the descent of the Holy Spirit as fire and Pentecost. Uh-huh. I chuckled to myself because that's the sort of for Eric especially impromptu sanctuary decoration <laughs> is is one of his bugaboos, <laughs> and so I I, I I missed seeing Eric walk in. And his head exploding like a pop balloon when he would see all of those. I feel like there, there was there were worse in other other uh, the other rental that we had. Sure, <laughs> very true. But Eric, you're... I could have handled red balloons. Eric, I hope you're not listening to this as you disengage more fully yeah. from Don't get Liberty Collingswood stuff. <laughs> but you missed a good Sunday, buddy. It would have been a lot of fun. Um, anything you wish you would have changed? Thanks for redo. You're good right now. Uh, I, I wish I'd seen Top Gun sooner. You would have referenced it in the I movie. Yeah, maybe I in can the... work it in next week. I'm sure you will. Okay. <laughs> um, I got nothing. Yeah, don't don't have any Halloween woes for this week. I, or, well, I, I take that back. I, I did get a really thoughtful, long email this past week in relation to, I mentioned during the podcast, how... Christian discipleship needs to expand its toolbox uh-huh. to better equip people to deal with uh, trauma not directly yeah. related to them. So I really appreciated that that email. It got pointed to a lot of resources and more things to talk and think about because it went to my personal email address. I won't I won't say who it was, but that was appreciated. Then also, Helen Wolves, we have one more week Mm. before we take a break for the summer. And so if you have anything that you want to get off your chest, speak now, forever hold your peace. If you want me to ask trivia questions and see if you can stump Jim. That is true. And so just to say, everybody, that the plan is for Post Sunday Blues to take a break. And 
that's so we can get a break. It's good to take breaks. This this podcast is going on a Sabbath. Maybe we'll retool a little bit for for next fall, but we're definitely coming back. And then we're going to downshift. We are going to put out five golden things on an every other week basis. That's the plan throughout the summer, just to keep people in the habit of Liberty Collingswood, pushing back the darkness of digital Babylon, keeping that content drip going. I'm also going to try to keep up the blog, but wanted to let people know what's coming down the pike. Okay. Sounds good. Um, I think that's it then, right? Do that you is any, it. Anything else? Uh, good podcast, baby. Good job by us. Yeah. Meh. <laughs> nah. <laughs> okay. How was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching postmortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre Sunday happy. I got nothing. You have that visual cue? Is that the visual cue for. <laughs> You're ready? Yeah.